0: Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this chance to come before you. We give you thanks for this chance to praise your name. We give you thanks to your word. Loving God, may we be faithful um, as we go about our task. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Good Amen. evening, friends. Amen. Um, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of A Scripture Talk, our weekly podcast where we take uh, the scripture of the week um, and see what God has for us in it. Um And tonight we'll be looking at uh, Matthew 18. Um, Before that, I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever is, go Brandy. Sister Brandy Dudley, how y'all doing?
1: Um, And go Scott. Pastor Scott Ketchuk, good to see everybody.
0: Um, and, uh, this week we are looking at, um, Matthew, uh, chapter 18, uh, verses 21, uh, through 35. It is the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, not seven times but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made to him. his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him have patience with me and i will pay you but he refused then he went and threw him into prison until he should until he should pay the debt when his fellow slaves saw what had happened they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place Then the Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So, my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is one of yeah. those, you know, harsh but true scripture, right? Um, where we don't, we, you know, we, I, I, I once staged a uh, drama for interpret dramatic interpretation of scripture, where like Jesus got a little bit angry, and the director of that worship group was like, "Oh Trey, I just, I don't know. I usually just think of Jesus being much more peaceful than that." And I, and I yeah. like. I I, I don't remember if I pushed back or not. I I don't honestly remember how I responded to that. Uh, But this is not a nice thing. Like, you know, this is a reminder that Jesus is true and a good teacher uh, and loving. And there's a difference between true and good teacher and loving and nice. Uh, because Jesus is not always nice, and this is not a nice thing, but this is a true thing about forgiveness, um, that it is part of what it is to live in God's kingdom, and if we're not living the way we should live in God's kingdom, um, that's a big problem. You
1: know, uh, now, I, I do think it's interesting, because we, we, we tend to think of nice in certain ways, but the reality of it is, nice isn't always kind. You could be nice to someone, but if you're covering over and helping them continue in something that's going to bring harm to themselves, it's not really being kind to them. And sometimes the truth brings a freedom that we need, which is ultimate kindness. And that's what Jesus is doing here. I mean, though it's said in other places, this is one of those one of those uh, parables that really links how holding on to uh, unforgiveness can have a bad effect on us, and that the fact that we are to forgive is tied directly to the fact that we have received forgiveness.
0: You know, one of the things I talk about a lot, um, and, and have been talking about a lot, is that part of what God's kingdom is, is breaking the cycles of this world, right? Um, and creating yeah. new cycles. That if the cycles of this world are cycles of hate, of cycles of unforgiveness, cycles of passing pain, right? You know, you talk about you know, generational poverty. You talk about, you know, uh, a kid raised in an abusive household is likely to go on to be an abuser, right? Like those become cycles. Um, and what living in the kingdom of God is... The upside down nature of it is to break those cycles. Um, And this is particularly to break that cycle of unforgiveness. Um, That if we have been forgiven, what living in God's kingdom means is we pass on to others what God has given us, breaking the cycles of this world and creating new cycles, cycles of love and cycles of forgiveness. And
2: that's the thing that we have to do to as far as in our generation it is to teach our children not to hate not to uh abuse and sojing Uh, He went up to him and said, "Okay, I'm hearing you that y'all making a change and everything, but I've taught my children not to. to, I taught my children to boycott anything from South Africa. Uh, My parents taught me, and so you have to teach your people that." It's, uh, it's a new world. It's a new change. Start learning how to love and, and not hate it anymore because uh, racism and hate is taught. It's not born into you. So uh, forgiveness should be taught in, in this case here.
0: Absolutely. And to live, look, this like cycles of hate and even like one of the things that is true about the servants in this, in both cases, like the debt is real, right? And, and that is, and, and that is to say, in all cases where forgiveness is needed, the harm that is done is real, right? If you haven't done real harm, you don't need to be forgiven, right? The the servant that gets forgiven uh, by the master um, has racked up ten thousand talents. That's a lot. That's like more money than that guy would ever make in his lifetime right like that is you know an incalculable sum he owes a million dollars right like he owes the guy like like in like not just like buy a house and a boat money like buy a mansion money right okay so and that just gets forgiven and then he won't forgive the the harm and it's still a real harm A denarii is one day's wage right and so this is like he is owed one third of a year's salary right it's not it's not a small amount right if you work about 300 days a year um gotta take sabbaths off and stuff but you know you work about 300 days a year so that means 100 denarii is about a hundred days wage um, it's not a small amount that 's owed, but he has been forgiven an incalculable amount and even if a hundred, like you lose a hundred days' wage like that 's real money to you um, that 's real harm uh he is still called upon to forgive it because what he has been forgiven is so much vastly more
1: you know and that I think that really hits at uh, things we've said about forgiveness uh, uh before you know the willingness to forgive is not saying that whatever the grievance was was okay it's not saying that they get a pass that that really wasn't that bad it's saying i'm not going to continue to hold on to that i'm going to release it and move on i i I find as we're sitting here talking i'm thinking of the comparisons of this story to when jesus was in uh you know, the Pharisee's house and the alabaster jar thing. And he brings mm-hmm. up another comparison about love being connected to the amount of forgiveness that a person has received. And we see here, like, the forgiveness that he was given obviously didn't make a change in his heart in the way that the received forgiveness did for uh, the woman who anointed Jesus' feet. And so so it's almost like did he really receive the forgiveness he was given?
0: It didn't, it didn't hit him, right? And this, and this, again, I think goes back to like where we can plug in to scriptures like uh, James 2, like Faith Without Works is dead, right? Yeah. Because he has been forgiven, this massive debt, this 10,000 talent debt, this incalculably large debt has been forgiven, and yet it has not affected him internally and so this is where you got to break the analogy a little bit right if this yeah. this is obviously analogy about the life of faith obviously the huge debt is the debt of sin that hangs over all of us uh, before we come to Christ the the master forgiving the sin the debt is God forgiving our sins right okay this is not surprising this is not surprising <laughs> um, but this go- looks at like has it has it changed you has that faith in God changed you? And if it hasn't, d- 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 is that where you have truly placed your faith? Uh, John Wesley talks about in, in trying to like wrap his head around the meaning of salvation, uh, which he really works to do a lot. He t- he he separates two things that happen at the same time: justification and regeneration. Okay, so justification means you are a terrible human, uh, but you have been forgiven by God. You are justified in God's eyes. You're righteous in God's eyes. Are you actually righteous? Oh no, you are not, but God no longer holds that debt against you, right? That's that part of it, right? That's your debt. Your, your ledger, uh, is wiped clean in God's eyes as a free gift. Good luck. But like you didn't deserve it. You get it wiped clean. Something else happens in that same moment, um, and that is the Holy Spirit enters your life, and this is the the moment of what is called regeneration. That is to say, the Holy Um, Spirit is now in your life, and now you are capable of living differently and growing in God so that you become less of a garbage fire than you were before. These are related in that they happen at the same moment, right? This is what happens when you come to Christ. Um, You are justified in the eyes of God. Your ledger is wiped clean. But you also have now received the Holy Spirit. You are regenerated. You are, this is the born, this is born again language. Regeneration, it's born again, right? You are reborn. You're regenerated now with the power of the Holy Spirit to seek to live differently. Um, and that begins a process of sanctification, of growing closer to God. Um, but these, these are related, but they are not the same. Um, and what, what, what you see here is a man who has received, he has been justified, right? Right? But he has not been regenerated. He has not been born again.
2: Um, because he's not mm-hmm. living in born again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is the answer to my question because I was going to ask what made him go, man, that owed him money, just like the master showed him mercy because his heart wasn't changed inside. That makes sense.
1: Right. Yeah. I, um, I was kind of as as Trey was explaining as well. I was thinking about that and how it kind of highlights, though grace and salvation is a free gift. In that same way, we like to talk about how you have to open the gift and you have to receive that. There is a little bit of action on our part in the acceptance of that that uh, begins this process. And based on his actions, that we see that he's immediately going out to get his, he just took that as a free pass and then didn't really let it change his heart. There wasn't an acceptance of allowing that to bring any kind of change.
0: we have got some useful stuff in the chat. Um, uh, Joe just did a quick conversion. Yeah. So the guy, um, the mm-hmm. servant who's seeking payment for the other servant needs, it's looking for eight grand in today's money. And so like that's not an insignificant amount of money. If you take an average uh, salary of 10 bucks an hour, like, yeah, all of us would miss eight grand. Uh, but yeah. this man has been just forgiven an incalculable sum. Um, and then uh, a note from Beth like my neighbor next uh, next door uh, to me being terribly nasty to me af- after Terry asked me, she asked me to forgive her, and I asked her to forgive me. And I feel so much better inside. This happened because of me praying for her and having faith in him. Right. Like, th- you, like, holding an unforgiveness. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily hurt the person that you have not forgiven. Um, it often hurts you, right? It is, you know, you are the one who, it, can, it may or may not affect the person you haven't forgiven. Sometimes it really does, right? Unforgiveness in a family um, can really leave a rift. But for a lot of the people that I have struggled to forgive in my life, um, they are no longer, they were no longer in my life. And so they, did, they had no idea or didn't care that I had not yet forgiven them. Um, but it was that it was that it aided me that really, you know, that, that really was the impact, right? Sometimes leaving someone in unforgiveness, it, you are the one that hurts more than they ever will.
1: Yeah, an analogy right? I've heard about it was uh, trying to harm or injure the other person by drinking poison yourself.
0: Right, yeah. No, I think yep, that, yep. I, 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 that is certainly a valid way to think about it. The, the other piece of this, anytime we talk about forgiveness, I, I always want to offer this caveat um, that we never connect forgiveness with everything going back the way it was, right? That sometimes the harm done means that the relationship will be different than it yeah. was before. Forgiveness does not – so in, in the case of like a, an abusive marriage, forgiveness does not mean taking the abuser back. It means no longer wishing harm on that abuser and instead praying for that abuser's well-being. Um, but it is not necessarily, no, you have, it, because this has often been used that way. Huh? You, you got to forgive him. No, not if not, not if they're abusive. You do have to forgive them. Yes. and And again, that's hard and that's a process and that takes real work because some of the harm that can be done in this world is very real. But that does not mean the relationship has to go back to the way it was. Those are two very separate things. Um, forgiveness does not just mean, oh, and now things go back to the way they were. Um, forgiveness does not necessarily mean you have to trust that person again, right? It means you no longer wish harm on that person. It means you no longer hate that person. You have let go of the har- the wish for harm. You have let go of the hate, Um you're no longer carrying that millstone around your neck, yourself, um, or wishing a mill, millstone around their neck. But that does not mean it has to go back to 100% what it was before.
2: Forgiveness does well, not- Well, there's an old- way. Go ahead. There's an old Southern saying about that, you're gonna feed them out of a long handle spoon. You don't need to food with them anymore. You forgave them, you, you got that monkey off of your bag, and you let them live their lives and stuff, but you don't need to pull back all that garbage back into your life just to say oh I forgive him I still love him and everything but you can love and forgive from a distance to keep yourself together you know right I
1: I think that also uh hints at the idea that the timing of forgiveness doesn't rest on the other person they're not still right. in control of that you know uh Jesus a perfect example He didn't wait for the people to ask forgiveness for crucifying. He asked God to forgive them while still there on the cross. And so uh, oftentimes I I think we're like, well, if they would just ask for forgiveness, then I could, you know, forgive them. Well, um, they they may be at a different place. And and, And if you really think about it, that's kind of freeing because it means coming to forgiveness is on your terms between you're you and God helping you, and you're in control uh-huh. of it. Yes, exactly. You, yeah,
0: you're you are not. It it is it is freeing and challenging, right? Yeah, it's freeing because it is not they Especially if it's someone who's harmed you deeply, they are they are not in control of that. You're in control of that. But the challenge is, it means forgiving them, even when they are they don't like they don't deserve it, right? when they are they are still the same terrible person that they were before they are the same whatever that they were before they have not themselves changed um but we are still called upon to forgive uh, keeping in mind keeping forgiveness separate from the relationship just going back to the way it was that that, that yeah forgiveness does not mean a world without compromise a world without consequences right we uh We're having this like really tough moment, um, as a culture where some very real crimes, um, Uh, you know, particularly among celebrities and leaders, uh, you know, some real horrendous crimes um, have been revealed. Um, And there's this ongoing conversation about, like, what role does forgiveness play in that? Well, first of all, um, we are not in a position to tell the victim um, that they should forgive. Um, Their religious leader may be, but even then, like, even I as a pastor will tell you, it's a process, right? Um, But the other piece of it is I don't think forgiveness means that they necessarily get to go back to being a person we all admire. Right? Like there's a difference between holding hate against someone, wishing harm upon somebody and saying, "Oh no, it's okay. You can come back." Right? Like this is this is again, we got to we got to hold those two things you know, use a good seminary phrase, but hold those two things in tension of like forgiveness means releasing the desire for harm, um, but forgiveness does not necessarily mean, and yes, they get to go back, right? Um, we've watched, I, it, go ahead,
1: Scott. I would just say, yeah, and, and, and it really is a tension and it really isn't something that can just have a blanket way of being handled because you have different situations there go needs to be taken as a case by case, because there is that aspect of, you know, we like to go in society right now in the midst of this, and they'll go like 20 years back and pull out an incident and say, see, this individual is this way. But if you look at the body of where that person has grown since then, that shouldn't necessarily be handled in the exact same way if that person has honestly changed then say somebody who just did the grievance yesterday yes there is consequences and all of that but there's it's it's too It's too complicated to be a black and white for every situation type thing. Uh, Like you said, uh, forgiveness is a process on the part of the uh, victim, uh, as is growth and change on the part of a perpetrator. And so that keeps it from being Uh. a black and white, hey, we just have to handle everything this way situation. It's it's not that easy. And I, I think that's part of why it reminds us when we're being instructed in scripture about forgiveness that hey remember you too have had a situation where you had to kind of go through this where you needed forgiveness and that you're having to grow and keep all of that in mind and it's it's it makes it a complicated not necessarily easy thing
0: but but the and that's where you
2: got to go back to the go ahead, the past yes but that's the danger of pulling stuff from the past and putting it into the present but
0: yeah there is there's a danger in that but also there's a danger we 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 can't end up in a world where where sin doesn't matter
1: right Right.
0: like this is the this is the like one of the The challenge is, honestly, the challenge in modern Christianity is we really, 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 really love talking about being set free by God. We love Mm -hmm. to talk about God's grace. We should. Very important. Um, But you search for a contemporary Christian song um, that deals with, like, (laughs) serving God in the world— and you are like you're stuck trust me um you are stuck right there's not that many of them um you uh talk about you find a song um that like deals with the seriousness of the problems we face in the world in, in contemporary christian music there are a few but well, not many you, you look for a song about doubt <laughs> in contemporary christian music there's like two right um and so we love the easy parts of faith um we love the nice parts of faith what we've gotten bad at um especially in contemporary like especially in contemporary church is we've gotten really bad at talking about anything else and we talk about how oh you know stay on the easy stuff it's more seeker friendly yeah great you know, not having to live a Christian life sounds really easy way to recruit people into Christianity. Uh Uh-huh. Um, but like, are we, but, but at what point are we like, you know, have walked away from our duty, uh, to people, to God's people, um, to actually teach them the word of God. Right. And and, I, 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 I look at, um, like the content of contemporary songs as a real good, like metric of where we are in this kind of vaguely evangelical end of the pool. Um, and we love, we love salvation and we love grace as we should, but you dig into Christian living and forget about it.
1: (laughs) You know, um, I was having a a conversation about that with a Laura yesterday. We We had gone to Walmart and, uh, you know, as often happens when we have to make that uh, trip, I was more than willing to sit in the vehicle and entertain kids so uh, <laughs> my beloved could take care of business, but uh, we were listening to songs, and um, you know, we, we, we've joked before about you know, Christian music being behind in that genre, in that area, but you know, it, was a, it was in 2003 when the Black Eyed Peas put out Where is the Love? And, and if you, as we listened and I played that for the kids, the things they were talking about is very appropriate to what's going on right now, which means we didn't address that issue. We didn't really answer the question and take it to heart and go, you know, there's some good points there that uh, we as Christians should be addressing and people shouldn't have to ask, where is the love? Because we are the ones with the answer. If we're living out, to what we're called to do. And, and of course that's, that's why we're doing our series over the topics that we are, but nevertheless, it is a true statement that this cry has been out there for a long time and we're slowly just getting around to really answering the issues.
2: Right, mm-hmm.
0: and in some ways we have, we have taken as a faith, in some ways we've taken major steps forward right in terms of being able to reach a wider variety of people um and not have church look like it came out of a cookie cutter or not like that not all christians dress the same way or look the same way or have the same haircut right that it, it we like the 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 slow death of country club christianity is not necessarily something that i mourn right um and, and, the, and the way denominations used to work, where it was like, you know, you show up to a Lutheran church, a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, and like, you couldn't tell the difference. Um, it was the same carpet. It was the same choir robes. It was the same preacher with the same hair and the same robes. Um, and so like, in some ways, the slow fade or like the wider diversity of what Christianity looks like in the 21st century, I think is a real gift. Uh, now, here's the trade-off we made though. Those denominations... Talked a lot about service. Those denominations yeah. talked, made a like, it used to be that the like, the, when the Methodist Council of Bishops wrote a letter to the president about how the president was acting, that president took it seriously. Now we couldn't even agree what to write the stinking president. Um, but like, yeah. like those, like those hymnals, which are still around, uh, talk a lot about, you know, uh, get out and do something. Um, and what we, as we diversified, as we modernized, as we did a lot of things that we very much needed to do. And I, you know, 15 years ago, I was, I was the kid in baggy jeans and Jesus t-shirts and Chuck Taylor's, you know, sleeping on the floor of churches we were playing gigs at, right? Like I was, I was in the worship wars, just like every, I think like just everyone else on this call. Um, so like, I was a part of that, you know, it was a very small part of like trying to push us forward. Uh, but you know, that the seeker friend, seeker-friendly Christianity can't be watered down Christianity. We've got to find a way. And like, obviously, that's what the series is, right? It's like, how do, we, how do we talk about the hard stuff? Because we've got to.
1: Yeah, and, and there's an interesting uh, comment in here uh, about that, uh, Joe said. It's very halting when the one that is doing you wrong, and while you're in the process of trying to let go, they tell you, well, I forgive you, you're just apparently not on my level yet. Oh, geez. Then they turn oh. around and harm you oh. again. And it it oh. makes you stay inside the cycle, especially if you have no idea what you did that they are apparently forgiving. Oh
2: man.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Communication.
0: Well, and, and like, <laughs> like when you're forgiving someone, don't add a bar of judgment to it. Right. Yeah. That's
1: backhanded compliment. That's there. a
0: backhanded. That's mm, I like, yo, that's true. <laughs> right um that's like my my mother's favorite insult you said it yeah so my mother's favorite insult is you always look so good in that right (laughs) because what it implies is you only own one good outfit and you wear it all the time right or i always love you in that Uh, like that so that is that is some like (laughs) southern lady insult level whatever of like (laughs) uh you know uh, yeah but my mother's (laughs) I, I, i actually think that one's french but uh my mother's favorite insult is oh you always look so good in that or I always love you in that. Um because it's like your wardrobe sucks, but you've got one good piece. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. the, that is absolutely the Christian version of that. So like, yeah, there's a lesson to forgiveness. Don't be like, I forgive you. I'm so much better than you.
1: Right? Mm. <laughs> like that's mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's again like like the like the like the publican, thank you lord that I am not as horrible yeah. and as those people over there, and it just yeah, kind of right. reminds us of your favorite verse, you know, in your room. You know, enemies,
0: yeah. once you know, <laughs> one 10, yeah. you know, Matthew ten, ten thirty six. You know, not that long before, uh, that you know, this particular text, uh, one's foes shall be members of one's own household, Matthew ten thirty six. Um, but this is like, in some ways, this is Jesus trying to address the truth of Matthew ten thirty six. Yeah, right. D- at least telling us. You don't be the enemy in the house, right? Don't be that enemy. You forgive. You're in control of that. You can forgive. You cannot be the enemy. There will be enemies in your... Because what this guy, what the, the core guy in this is, he is living the truth of Matthew ten thirty six. Mm-hmm. right? He is the enemy in the house. He is the foe. Don't be that. Instead, forgive, and at least do your part in breaking the cycle. You're not in control of what other people are going to do, right? God is not in control of what other people are going to do. God can route around and so that God stays in control of the situation. But God, you know, we have free will, right? And In a world where free will exists, you know, you are not in control of how other people act. What you are in control of is your actions. You know, one of the things they taught us in um, my training for Teach for America that stuck with it. This is not the only people who have taught, this just happened to where I learned it. They talked about locus of control, right? And think about what is in your control and what is outside your control. And make sure you own the things that are within your control and let go of the things that are outside your control. Um, That another person is still a jerk. um, That racism still exists. um, That people seek to harm you is not in your control. Largely, right? We can contribute to the fall of racism, but like it's still there. Um, What we are in control of is how we act, how we react, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Are we going to approach the world in a spirit of compassion and forgiveness? um, Or are we going to approach the world continuing the cycle of hate? And part of what the kingdom of God is, is the slowly the dismantling of the cycle of hate and replacing it with the cycle of forgiveness. And so someday that person that harmed you Will hopefully find God themselves um, and change, right? But we're not in control of that. What we right. are in control of is: is this going to continue? Is this going to continue to harm us? And are we going to continue to pour more harm into the world, or instead are we going to be part of the work of replacing that harm with forgiveness?
2: Yes. Yeah, so love and forgiveness to grow a garden of compassion. You, you got to do what you got to do. Take care of, of this. Don't worry about anything else around you. Take care of your heart. And the scary part about this uh, in the scripture, that if we don't forget, that's scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I it, don't.
1: Go ahead, Scott. I was just saying I, I like how it's mentioned, but it wasn't the main focus of it the The main focus is, hey, you've been forgiven much. That's why you should forgive. However, if you don't, there are some repercussions. And interesting enough, and, you know, science has studied uh-huh. and seen that harboring unforgiveness and all that actually affects our physical well being and our 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 you know health and all. And I just find that so interesting that yet you know, Scripture tells us it affects us spiritually and uh, have may have repercussions you know on down the road and yet you see how so much of our spiritual and physical and emotional body is all together and one connects and causes issues with the others and so you know part of our self-care is forgiving others well what's
0: so what's interesting Mm -hmm. is um in a jewish way of thinking in an ancient jewish way of thinking there was not a separation between mind body and spirit They didn't have those three categories. Um, You just were, right? That's why kosher mattered um, and temple practice mattered um, and sexual morality mattered because all of this is part of your spiritual whole. Um, it is only like later Greek stuff where we start to break that out like oh no this is mind and this is body and this is spirit and that gets carried forward in the enlightenment with my least favorite quote by by Descartes I think therefore I am Um, no Descartes you're not a mind in a jar you're just not because like what you put into your body affects how well your mind functions they're all integrated right and if we hold unforgiveness that affects not just like our relationship with god and our relationship with the person and our relationship with the world it affects our blood pressure it affects our ability to process blood sugar like it affects you physically yep because yep. actually yeah. god made us as one whole that functions as mind functions as body and functions as spirit but if we are one you know god doesn't separate us out and like oh like, the Bible doesn't do this right the Bible doesn't separate out oh the spiritual care versus care for people's bodies right Jesus says you know what is people Jesus said over over again to Peter feed my sheep but he doesn't say feed my sheep only spiritually no over and over again Jesus says yo feed my sheep feed them spiritually feed them physically right um, it, it is not it is not a biblical worldview to say there is mind body and spirit that are separate what the biblical worldview is, Is they are all integrated together. We are just God's people created in the image of God. That's right.
1: Amen. Amen. And that's even coming out, you know, when I was doing my counseling study, that they've come to the realization that to truly uh, bring healing to people, they have to address not one of those arenas, but all of those arenas. You know, and so. And this uh, is where.
0: This is, I don't know, I will never know why this always comes back to Alcoholics Anonymous for me, but <laughs> um, AA, wait, I, I'll actually, I'll tell you why. It's because I think AA is structured really well and theologically makes a lot of sense. Actually, that's why it always comes back to AA for me. Um, but one of the, you know, that's part of like your journey in AA or any 12-step program is is forgiveness, right? Is is apologizing is like being a part of breaking that harm recognizing the harm you did um and seeking forgiveness for the harm but you know you're not in charge of that right because in order to stop being in order no you're never stopping an alcoholic but ever to like claw your life back from addiction um part of that is breaking that cycle of harm um, and so, like, that addiction affects your body, right? Yo, know, your liver is a thing. Your liver is a thing. Um, and, and so, like, there's certainly physical disease that comes out of uh, being an alcoholic, but there's also the lives wrecked, and, the, yeah. the, and that's the spiritual emotional piece. Like, uh, why AA mm. works for the people who can really dig into it and go along that journey is. It does lead you to greater physical health because you're no longer, you know, drinking poison by the gallon. Uh, But it also restore a part of a process of restoring things spiritually and emotionally. That's why it keeps coming back to AA for me, because they get it right. They think about it as one person, (laughs) one alcoholic, not, oh, I just care about their body. No, right. Like, why it leads to real healing is it deals with the spiritual, it deals with the emotional, and it deals with the physical. Again, you, you know, look, you know, alcohol is poison.
1: <laughs> and that's a great example with uh, what we're called to do in forgiveness because – not just on the individual, but even on the the large scale, that as we deal with the spiritual and the physical aspect of this in forgiveness, changing how we actually treat each other, changing how we talk about each other, that then goes and will affect society and bring healing as a whole. Uh, I think uh, part of our issues is there's been a disconnect in what has been said Versus the actions that are being applied. And Uh that's why we still have these issues. And we've got to get them all combined and look at it as a one whole. We are all one race. We are all one body, one family trying to work together. And that includes us learning to forgive and act out that forgiveness
2: exactly i'll
0: i'll 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 close we're we're going long because it's forgiveness there's a lot to talk about um i'll close with this story and i'm gonna get this story slightly wrong um but some years back um an amish person was murdered right um and the amish community put out a public statement and often when someone is murdered those public statements are statements of condemnation of the murderer right often uh when you bring families to often prosecutors will bring families of victims to trials when they want severe punishments right you 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 have the family testify especially when you're trying to get a death penalty case or especially when you're trying to get a life imprisonment case um in this case this amish community had been deeply harmed Right, uh, uh, one of their members had been killed, Um, and and an Amish community is overtly a religious community. Right, they're a a Mennonite um, community. Uh, They publicly forgave the murderer. Um, They, in a very public way, um, released that hate um, and released that desire for harm. And I've always like, even if I can't, because my mind fails, and this is podcasting, and I could Google it, but I'm not going to. that story the core idea of that story of this Amish community um forgiving publicly forgiving this person I found a powerful Christian testimony I just wish more of us would live that way um yeah on that note mm-hmm. uh we should probably end well you know forgiveness is hard remember like this is you know what Christ is calling us to is not easy but like is what we're being called to um If you have thoughts on forgiveness, please leave a comment uh, here on Facebook, um, over on our YouTube channel, um, over on our website, uh, com slash video. If you're looking for an audio version of this show, uh, we do—it gets put on iTunes and so shows up in every podcatcher. Just search Scripture Talk uh, by Grace Church. If you want to email us and complain or whatever, uh, just— Email uh, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. We'll be back with you uh, for another edition. So go in peace, love, and serve the Lord. And remember, fear not. Stay well. God is with us. Oops, wrong song. There we go.